I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the program this week, the Silver Ferns have more to lose than Australia ahead of their three-test netball series. The New Zealand men's basketball team prepare for the world champs. We hear from Springboks captain John Smith, who's joined the exclusive Centurions Club, playing 100 tests. And shooter Greg Yelovich tells us why he's so disgruntled ahead of his seventh Commonwealth Games. The Silver Ferns have more to lose than Australia in the three-test netball series, which starts in Adelaide on Sunday. Having lost last year's series, another loss would weigh heavily on the Silver Ferns ahead of the defence of their Commonwealth Games title in October. The Silver Ferns captain Casey Williams admits a series loss would give the Australians a huge confidence boost ahead of New Delhi. Both sides have played recent tests against Jamaica, and Williams is confident her team can rise to the challenge ahead. It's going to be a lot tougher, actually, um, but I think that we do have the ability to, to even step up more because I think you know, our performances that we put out against Jamaica were only sort of you know, 70% of what we can be. Each individual, you know, player that's in the team has done a lot of work away from coming into the Ferns environment, so our skill level and our fitness levels are a lot better than what they used to be. What did you take from looking at the, the Australians against Jamaica? I mean, generally there was sort of a 30-point margin against the Jamaicans for them, 20 points for you. Can you read much into that? I guess, it's, you know, each, you can take what you want from it, but for me, um, you know, that's, that's the... Um, we, you know, we're going over there to play Australia now. We don't really, we're not thinking about what they did to Jamaica. So, but it is a good test to see where we're actually going to, we're actually at. Um, and you know, there's, there's three test series, so it's not over after the first one. Is there more maybe on the series for the Silver Ferns and the Australians, given the Australians won last year? If they win this time around, it sort of must give them a huge confidence boost ahead of the comp games, and it maybe puts you in a bit of a quandary. <laughs> Yeah, it does, but it also if that if that does happen, it makes us the underdogs, and I guess you know the pressure will be put on Australia to perform. And um, for us, we we want to have that confidence, um, and we want to beat them, so we want a three nil uh, test series against them. How much pressure are you you feeling going into this? Is it excitement, or is there a sense of tenseness as well? Given I suppose it's only a few weeks then out from the the Com Games. We are nervous. Uh, I am nervous, but it's also I'm very excited. Um, because I know how much um, potential that our team has, um, and that just it makes me smile, really, what, what we're about to do. What are you hoping or looking for from this series in the sense of areas that you know you need to improve on? For us, I think it's the consistency um, of putting four quarters together, uh, having a good start, but also um, executing the stuff that we're, we're practising in training. So when we get out there and the pressure comes on, that we can keep our composure and structure and you know stick to the game plan. The rest of the camp, there must be, I suppose, just a general sort of excitement because you're, you're going to be spending a fair bit of time with each other over the next few weeks, aren't you? Yeah, well, it's like our family away from home, really. Um, <clears throat> but I think as a team, we're gelling really well together. Um, everybody gets on really well. 
um, and happy people make happy players. So um, our relationship off the court is is getting better, and it is, it's already good. A sense too, you've got maybe uh, more depth given the the players that have come back in this year. Yeah, I think so. We've got a bit more variety. Uh, we're not so predictable with who's going to be out there on the court. Um, it's going to keep the other teams guessing. Meanwhile, the Australian coach Norma Plummer's dismissing the tests against Jamaica saying they don't give any indication as just how the series against New Zealand will unfold. I wouldn't read anything into it at this stage. It's purely um, a hit out and um, whether we won by 30 or they won by 20, both teams won and we line up against each other in a a total different, I think, atmosphere again because our our connection to one another is uh, pretty more full on, if you know what I mean. I think players go up to another level. The comment here was that the Silver Ferns seem to struggle with the, the physical nature of the Jamaicans at times during those tests. Would you agree with that, no. or is that something you picked up on? No, I, I didn't think they were physical, no different to what they normally play. Were you able to gain anything then as to, to rate the Silver Ferns how they were compared to last year when you were obviously reasonably dominant over them? <laughs> You're really coming up with some leading questions here. Um, you got to twist it any way you like, which I do all the time. But look, you know, I went over there just to sit and watch the game and just get an idea of, you know, if if there was anything there to, to get out of it. Um, yeah, I think maybe we did. Um, but in, in the big crux of it all, um, I think both teams can go out on court and come up with any game plan they like. You know, people say to me, oh, well, you know, what if you're showing too much? And I say, it won't matter what you show. You, you, can, you can rejig your game plan any, any game you come into. So what we do now is we could have something running, something totally different by the time we get to come games. So I'll show whatever I need to show to get the win. So, I mean, to me, it's, it's uh, a bit of a furphy to think that you're showing stuff. Then how important is it to, to win this series? I mean, the way things went last year, and if you will come away with a good win in this series, it's got to put you in a pretty confident frame of mind going into Delhi. Yeah, I suppose it does, but it's, it's really, you're only as good as your last game. And as you sit back on that, as I said, things can be twigged between now and con games, whether we win or lose, you can twig up whatever you like. So, And um, you never know what can happen. You could lose players, could get injuries, somebody else might come in. So it's a bit of um, all of the what-ifs, and the what-ifs uh, you won't know until you get to come game. That's Australia's netball coach, Norma Plummer. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The New Zealand men's basketball team play Lithuania in their opening match of the World Champs in Turkey this weekend, having had a mixed build-up to the tournament. They're not expected to repeat their 2002 effort when they finished fourth, but we'll be hoping for a better result than the 16th place they achieved at the last tournament four years ago in Japan. They're ranked 13th in the world and have had wins over Russia and Slovenia in warm-up matches, but they suffered heavy losses to Turkey and Jordan. They'll also come up against Lebanon in pool play. Lebanon is now coached by Tab Baldwin, who took the Tall Blacks to fourth place in the United States eight years ago. The former player and now assistant coach Dylan Boucher told Joe Porter that if they're not at their best, they could be on the receiving end of some big losses. We've had a bit of a measuring stick as to where we need to be and uh, you know we've played well in some games and, uh, and probably not played as well as we would have liked in others. But um, we know when we perform well, we can beat any team on any day. So 
Um, by the time we get to the first game, uh, we'll be absolutely ready for Lithuania and uh, we'll have some well scouted and uh, know exactly what we're about to come up against. You've had quite, a, I guess, an intensive preparation in terms of the amount of, bas- the amount of basketball you've played over the last few weeks leading up to the tournament. What, what do you do now to put the, you know, the finishing touches on your preparation? I guess the big thing uh, now we're in is, is, is preparing ourselves uh, at training, just making sure the guys are going to peak at the right time and uh, that's managing both, uh, you know, fitness, injuries, uh, you know, whether whether we're going to push them one day and not the next and making sure they've got enough rest and um, just just making sure everything's as well balanced as we possibly can and then uh, come come that uh, tip off to Lithuania, we should be peaked and ready to go. The European teams in particular use a lot of on-ball screens and you were find, the team was finding it somewhat difficult to combat that. How have you guys, do you feel like you've progressed in that area? Yeah, we have. We uh, what, what it is is, is, is it's the type of uh, the offense they run is, is every every European team pretty much runs it, and it's just uh, something that takes a little while to get used to. And and there's um, several different ways to stop it. And it's a matter of making sure that you're capable of doing each and every one, so that if one doesn't work, you can always have a fallback plan. So um, Lithuania will be exactly the same. They they run on ball screens as well. Uh, probably every team does at the World Championships. So. That's uh, that's obviously one of the keys to winning games is you have to do well on the on-ball screens. How do you defend against it? There's several different ways to do it. There's probably five or so different ways, and uh, you know each game will be different, and it'll depend on who the players are that are using the screens in the games and what the priorities are. You know, if you've got a really good guy coming off the screen, you may try and get the ball out of his hands. Well, then it'll be different if you've got a guy who comes off who's a very good passer. So it'll depend. Each game will be different, and uh, it's just making sure that we are able to do each one so we can chop and change when we need to. Against Russia, you came up against a somewhat unusual defensive structure. Have you um, had much more experience playing against you know a, a different type of defense? Yeah, we have, and uh, you know it was a good uh, learning curve for us, and it was something we were able to go to training and, and show the guys on video how how we how we played it and that we didn't do a good job of it. And you know when we played Russia the second time, so we ended up beating them because we were aware of it and we were ready for it, and we and the plays that we're able to um, combat it. And it'll be exactly the same when we will do pretty extensive scouts on teams at the World Champs so we'll know what sort of defences they play, we'll know what sort of offences we need to run against them to make sure we can counter what they're putting out there. So that's why you want preparation games so you can get yourself ready and that was a good chance for us to test ourselves and I feel like we've grown since then and uh, we should be better off for it now. We haven't seen half the team or over half the teams that are going to be at the World Champs, so it's hard to judge who are going to be the top teams and who isn't. But one thing that's sort of been pretty much right across the board is things have been up and down. You know, we've been surprised by some results and then other results that go the way you think it will go. So teams haven't always dominated the pre-season and uh, we're pre-tournament. And, um, everyone's had their ups and downs, even uh, even the teams like the USA's and Saints, you know, they've won and lost games and uh, we'll have ups and downs anyway that... Yeah, they probably weren't happy with some of the results. So it's uh, you know it's a, when you come to a big tournament, it's all about who can perform on the big stage. And, uh, you know, if you have one or two bad games at the tournament, that can cost you. So you prepare as, as best as you can for the thing you're about to play. And if you can catch them on an off day or try and force them to do things they're not comfortable doing, then you can always pull away with a victory. And that's the whole idea of um, scouting these teams is trying to work them inside and out to know exactly what they're good at and what they aren't good at and try and push them to the areas that they're not good at. And, you know, that's when you, you play percentages and that's when hopefully if the percentages go your way then, and, and you can execute well down the other end, then you're going to be able to beat the things.
during the preparation, you've been watching how other teams prepare for their games and the environment that they try and surround their players and their unit with. Is there anything that you guys have sort of picked up or, or learnt throughout this preparation process that you're going to implement from now on? No, I don't think so. I think it's uh, the big thing that um, you know has impressed us with some teams is just their intensity. You know, they they play you know the whole game with the same intensity, and um, you know again, it's something we can probably learn from, and uh, something we have got better at. We've, we've managed to maintain our intensity, uh, particularly on defence, and uh, you know put pressure on teams with our defence, and that's what um, most teams will come up against. Play a high intensity uh, sort of in your face brand of defence, which is very hard to play against. Lithuania, what? Specific threats do they pose? Their main player, uh, Kleiser, he, he plays in the NBA and he's a, he's a good player in the NBA and he's an absolute superstar in international basketball. So, you know, he's obviously going to be um, trying to keep him quiet, going to be a handful uh, by whoever's marking him and it's going to the team to support that person and make sure they don't leave the other good players around them open as well. So, it's again, we're not focusing a game plan on solely on one person, but, you know, he's a, he's a big, uh, big sort of reason that team does very well. It's a, it's a bit of a chess game once the game starts. It's all about um, you know you, you you play your option and you see how they defend it, and then if you know if, if it's playing into the way you like it, then you stick with it. If it's not, you change it and do something different. And you know basketball is probably one of the only sports in the world where a coach or the coaches can have a big influence on the game, and um, because they're standing on the sideline, can sub, can call timeouts, and most sports and other sports in the world you can't do that. One of our strengths is that we do have senior players and we have guys who have been there and done that before. And, and know what it takes to win. So when the coach gives an instruction, they know to, to follow it by the letter. And then, you know, usually the coach knows best. And uh, you go with that game plan. And then if the team can do everything they possibly can, then hopefully that's enough to be able to, um, you know, beat the opposition by the, at the end of the day. And lastly, Dylan, Lebedon in your group as well. Will it be a strange feeling coming up against Tab? Yeah, we actually uh, just ran into Tab at training. Uh, so he was, he was training after us. That was... Uh, you know, it was a funny, funny feeling seeing him come in with another team, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good. It's, it's uh, two masterminds from the minute going at it, and it's going to be great. It's, uh, he, he knows what we run, and we know what he runs, and it's going to be up to whoever, whatever team plays best on the day, and whoever can you know, counter what the other team's doing. So it's, it's going to be fun. I mean, it's obviously once uh, the balls toss up, it's going to be business as usual, but. You know, I'm sure uh, you know, it's going to be a very uh, healthy competition. That's Tall Black's assistant coach, Dylan Boucher, talking to Joe Porter. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only sports programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. The Springboks play Australia this weekend, still searching for their first Tri-Nations win of the year. Last weekend's narrow loss to the All Blacks in Johannesburg meant the All Blacks rested the Tri-Nations title off South Africa, in a match which was supposed to be a celebration of Captain John Smith's 100-test career. What made it all the worst for the South African skipper was that he missed a tackle which led to the match-winning try. He looks back over his international career with Chris Ray. I was sitting in a bed and breakfast a block away from Loftus with my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, Roxanne, and we had our new puppy at the time in 2000, and we were, you know, I was just down there visiting because she was studying at Tux, and I watched the Springbuck announcement on TV, <laughs> and you know you see your name on the TV as a Springbuck, and you sort of you half want to push the pause button. You, you, know, you can't believe it, and, and that excitement and being able to share with with Roxanne was just unbelievable, and, and, and that disbelief, and then your phone rings, and you think, oh my goodness, what do I say to these people? You know, uh, am I going to be good enough, or will it be alright? You know, you know, you the terror that sort of goes through you, and the excitement is just unbelievable. 
And I remember starting off, I, my debut was with a guy called the vet Barry and the two of us lay in bed the night before the test match because we were uh, roommates. And uh, we thought about playing just one test, uh, what was coming the next day. And we just said, oh, imagine we get to 50. And um, yeah, to sit here and talk about the 100 is crazy. That first test, I remember it uh, as if it was yesterday. I think about the people that I ran onto the field with and the legends of the game then. Sometimes I, you know, I have to pinch myself to realise that it's all, all become a reality. And then you became captain. How did it feel when your old mentor, Jake White, gave you the armband in 2004? When he asked me to be captain, it was terrifying. And you know, I think back now, and when, you know, the first words were, you know, I'll do it for free, just as long as we can get back to being competitive and being the best in the world again, which is where South Africa should always be. And that turnaround, you know, once that happened, it wasn't so much right at that moment when he said, OK, that's, that's exactly right, you'll be my captain. It was when I started realising, hang on, we've got what it takes. We've got the players, we've got the coach, now we can put things in place. And the more we were together, the better things got. Then all of a sudden, that winning ha habit becomes addictive. And when that becomes addictive, then you start thinking to yourself, you know, I want to be here for as long as possible. And, you know, I want to make sure that I, you know, I'm, I'm training as hard as I can. And, you know, I'm part of this team that keeps growing every single year. Yeah, there's always... Peaks and troughs and, and every, every team goes through dips, and, but this team is just, it's been a family that's been created and uh, being able to live in this family for the last sort of six years has been an incredible journey. No one's captain a test team more than you, John. What does it take to be a good captain? The thing about being a leader is it doesn't exist unless you've got people that are willing to follow. And you know, to be a leader, there's, there's different types of leaders. There's guys that are born to lead. There's guys that are leaders by how they behave and how they and how they act and what and how good they are at what they do. And they lead by example. And then the respect follows. Um, so there's different types of leaders. But it all comes down to whether or not people are willing to follow. And I think that is the most important factor for any type of leader is, is being able to live your life the same on and off the field or in business and out of business, whether you're at home in your bedroom or in the office or on the field or at the training field or at having dinner with your teammates, is being the same guy all the time, making sure that guys know that they can trust you in any situation, not just in rugby situations. And the trick is that you've, you know, you've, you've got to be completely truthful all the time, even if it hurts yourself and even if it hurts your team. You've got to be hard on yourself all the time. And uh, you also have to realize that, as with any business, a CEO, when things are going bad and the numbers are down, that the first point of call is always going to be the captain. And um, you know, at first, you're naive and you think to yourself, well, yeah, it's a team sport. But the reality is that you know, it starts with the captain and the coach. And that's where the first point of call will come when the criticism comes. And it's learning how to handle that, making sure that you can learn from it. You only really learn when you're losing. And you don't want to lose too much, so you want to make sure that when it's happening, you've got your eyes open and you can go through that on a, on a Sunday night and make sure you don't make those same mistakes twice. I bet you get asked this question more than any other, but how did it feel in 2007 to lead the team to World Cup glory? It's hard to explain in words because I don't think that the dictionary can really show you how to translate what you feel into the English language. What I can say is that you know, there's very seldom in life do you get a feeling of elation, emotion that absolutely rushes through your body and fills you up with everything, almost like there's no, not enough room to breathe. You don't get to feel that very often in your life and you think back to special moments and you can relate it to a handful of special moments in your life. You know, uh, and some of them might be moments at school when you've achieved something. Some can be uh, you know, getting married, watching a wife walk down the aisle, the moment that you hear your first child scream as it's, as it's being born, you know, waiting with that sort of nervousness. And when it screams, it's, it's that feeling that you actually can't control anything and tears will fall down from your eyes. And I suppose I, I get a bit soppy now, but I'm allowed to. I've got a daughter. But it's one of those moments that, you know, when I look back as an, an old, old buddy sitting on my porch <laughs> looking over into the sunset, 
said, to having a, a coffee and a rusk, I'll, uh, I'll be very fortunate. If, if I don't have one more of those amazing memories, I'll be very fortunate at being able to look at the ones that I was given from the big man. That's Springbok captain John Smith, who's now chalked up 100 rugby internationals. Over the next few weeks, we'll be talking to members of the New Zealand Commonwealth Games team who'll be competing in New Delhi in October. The Auckland shooter Greg Yelovich will be competing at his seventh Commonwealth Games. He first appeared in Edinburgh in 1986, where he collected two gold medals, which are part of a total medal haul, which has now grown to 11. The 53-year-old heads a 12-strong New Zealand shooting squad, and Barry Guy asked him about the precautions he'll be taking to compete in Delhi. I've had so many warnings and uh, so much education. In fact, I've even uh, got a bottle of uh, water beside the uh, the, by the uh, bathroom sink now and learning to uh, wash my teeth with uh, using that water instead of running the tap. Because so, it's those habits that are going to uh, tra- trap a lot of people, I think. I would like to believe in all the information I've been given so far is that we're going to be well looked after. I mean, they, they couldn't afford by the uh, 6,000 athletes with uh, Dally Belly. <laughs> exactly. Now, how do you feel, you know, the, as the, uh, you know, possibly the oldest, I'm, I'm being, pol- <laughs> being polite here, fine, you know, yeah. are, you, are you still just going as an individual? Do you feel you've sort of got some sort of fatherly uh, role there as well? Or? Um, well, I, I kind of uh, always consider that I am in a, in a position of uh, fatherly responsibility there. But um, to be honest, we, we get so damn busy that uh, you just end up being an individual and doing doing what you have to do. But, uh, you know, I certainly don't mind uh, putting out advice to uh, people with perhaps not quite so much experience and and uh, try, and, try and keep them on the right path, try not to uh, make sure they get too distracted, which I, I kind of like always believe is um, a downfall of, of uh, some people is that this is uh, completely uh, alien to them, you know, this type of competition and, and the countries and that, where uh, I go there and, um, you know, I do the same old, same old all the time and uh, expect that to give me the same results, good results. Now, the Indians themselves are pretty good shooters, aren't they? I mean, the competition's going to be good. Yes. Um, in fact, you know, I, I can see that this uh, trend has uh, certainly changed the Commonwealth Games, you know, from for, for the last couple. Uh, the, the countries that, you know, have the money and, well, they don't have to have the money, but decide to put money into uh, to their sport makes all the difference. I mean, at the uh, World Championships there, you know, on the last day, I went around and said goodbye to a few people and said, see you in India, and what are you going to do in that? And, uh, you know, the the uh, four shooters from Singapore, they've um, got a, a four-week training camp. The guy from Malaysia is going to Langkawi Island, and he's uh, there for five weeks before he flies out. Uh, the four shooters from uh, England, same thing. They're... Um, Flying off to somewhere, I think Switzerland or something like that, to uh, to do three weeks of uh, training, and you know, oh, what am I doing? Well, I'm going to go back to work, catch up on all that stuff, and uh, try and fit a bit of shooting in in between. <laughs> and uh, I think, uh, and India will be the same. I mean, I know that India, they, God, they just have. That's all they do, you know. They just put them in training camps for two or three months and let them out every, uh, I don't know. Once every ten days, something to go home, make sure it's still there. But they just do so much shooting, just so much, so so different that to where um, the Commonwealth Games were. Um, I think that predominantly most 
people were fairly even, you know, they had to work and fit shooting around, it was a hobby. Uh, where New Zealand's still kind of, for, for us shooters anyway, that's pretty much how it still is. So do you think the Asian uh, shooting teams, or if, if not the Indians in particular, might sort of lead the way here? Uh, I'm, I'm quite sure India will do. I mean, they've, they're doing really, really well um, world, worldwide in, in shooting. Uh, I think where maybe Asia and Australia and England, they're still financing a, a good group of shooters and have got a bit of depth. So, you know, that that's their advantage. Um, whether the shooters handle the Commonwealth Games. The Commonwealth Games is always a funny match. Um, you know, I I think that uh, mentally it's it's a little bit more challenging. I, I kind of think there's a bigger volume of shooters that think that they can win. Where if you go to a um, a World Cup or something, you know, you've... By the time you chip out the uh, European countries and China and that, you, the best you could probably do is to get 20th or 25th, you know. Here, that same block of um, of Commonwealth shooters have all got a good chance of uh, winning, so I think it changes their uh, mental um, outlook on the event a little bit. To a positive way? I mean, does that make it easier? or? Well, no, it doesn't make it easier. I think that, you know, instead of, uh, in, in my uh, business, instead of remembering to uh, have a good sight picture and a uh, nice smooth trigger release, you start flashing towards uh, getting up on the podium instead. You've got to be a bit careful about that. Of course, uh, your experience will overcome that. Oh, yes. Well, that's, uh, that's what I'd like to think, yes. When will you be going into Delhi? How long before? Probably like a lot of uh, athletes, I'm trying to reduce my exposure um, in, in India a little bit just to uh, enhance my chances of keeping uh, well. I actually have chosen to go to Singapore on, I think it's the 25th of September, and fly into Delhi on the 1st, which gives me a, a day to um, get the smells and that, uh, the opening ceremony, and I think I start shooting a couple of days after that. Would you do the opening ceremony? Do you still into that sort of thing? Uh, look, I, I totally enjoy that. I, I mean, uh, if you've ever walked around uh, an arena on the opening night, it's, it gives you goosebumps. I mean, it really does. It's it's a big thing. I, I feel sorry for people that, that miss that opportunity, to be honest. That's New Zealand Commonwealth Games shooter Greg Yelovich talking with Barry Guy. That's the show for this week. Remember, your feedback's welcome at our email, which is sport at radionz.co.nz. And you can get the latest sports news anytime on our website. We'll be back with the next web-only Extra Time show next week. I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.